Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and AHA That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so very much for joining me, rejoining me again on this lovely Friday morning. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 175 countries, 220 TV, radio, terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of this Friday? Well, what I can tell you is Chad Peterson is an entrepreneur like you that has been through the self-employment trenches. Chad was not born with a silver spoon. He had humble beginnings. Like all of us, he had plenty of reasons to fail, but he chose the same path you did to succeed. Through innate tenacity, determination, and grit, he bootstrapped himself through commercial airline piloting school and then on to become a successful multi-business entrepreneur. Having built and sold several businesses of his own, he has a unique background that translates to real-world application to help business owners like you sell your business. Peter Acquisitions is unlike any business broker you will ever meet. They are tough, they are full of grit and drive. They are serious about selling businesses. They are not for everyone. Their clients are those who are just as serious about selling their businesses as they are. They come on strong, they keep their foot on the gas, and they don't stop working until they get the job done. If that sounds like the kind of business broker you need, fighting in your corner, schedule a confidential no-obligation discovery call with them right now. Chad Peterson, welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDowell, my friend. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on. I love the introduction. You did a wonderful job, and uh, I'm glad to be on here with you. Well, thank you for the kind words. I really appreciate that. This has been lined up for quite some time, so the day is now upon us. So let's just dive in, as we always do, unscripted uh, conversation for the listening audience and the podcast subscribers. I think it makes for a much more authentic conversation. Um, But let's talk about the inception of your journey. Let's talk about maybe some of the other business ventures that you had started out with that didn't take hold then you came upon this path like what was it about this specifically that you thought this is my niche this is what I'm meant to do this is my skill set and perhaps you're living on purpose within your uh your passion your endeavors let's talk about why this specifically absolutely well so I built and sold several companies of my own since I was a little boy I've been self-employed and um you know I, I was knocking on doors when I was you know seven years old just trying to turn a dollar that's just how I was either I was born that way. I was encouraged somehow by somebody along the way. I'm not sure, but I've been that way my whole life. And I built companies even as early as my teenage years and I would, and I sold it. And then I built another one and sold it. And this just kept going on and on. And a friend of mine said, Chad, you're so good at this. Why don't you help other people do it? And I was like, well, I don't want to do that. I just want to do it on my own. Just build my own companies and sell my own companies. 
And then after I went through a pretty laborious process of selling one of my companies, I realized that the broker did not have the tenacity and the grit that it really takes to sell the business. Mm-hmm. And candidly, it just pissed me off. It really did because I'm like, man, you're standing in the way of $500,000 of my money. And I, I want that money. I need you to sell the business. Now, I've hired you to do it and you're not doing it. And basically it was, uh, you know, if you're going to use a fisherman analogy, most brokers out there just hope that the, you know, the fish just jumps in the beer, you know, jumps in the boat and just, you know, drink beer and, and wait for the fish to jump in the boat. That's basically what most brokers do. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I just, it just irritated me. And so after my buddy had told me, Hey, you're so good at this. Why don't you help other people do it? I said, that's, that's a great idea because uh, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of cure the issue within this industry and I'm going to bring tenacity and, and, uh, and grit and determination to this process. And that was the inflection point that got me where I'm at. Um, that was a long time ago, of course. Um, and it was, it was twofold, right? So I, I was getting really burnt out on building the companies because a lot of the companies that you bootstrap and you build up, you know, it's, it's a low cost, uh, business, you know, you, you start with a, you start with a shoestring budget and you're relying on labor and men these days, they, they have all sorts of bad habits, addictions, you know, their dog ate their homework type stuff. So a lot of those businesses that I built came with a lot of headaches. And so I was tired of those headaches and I wanted to sell, but then I was met with almost the equal uh, laziness on the other end whenever I went to go hire a broker. So that's what led me here. And uh, I love what I do and there's no turning back now. Fantastic. Okay. So I'm going to ask you this question just for the purpose of gaining some clarification, not only for my benefit, uh, Chad, but for the listening audience and the podcast subscribers. So I think what might be resonating um, with the listeners is just, so does Chad purposely intentionally start a business with the overall objective of selling a business? So you go in cheap you build it up to where you want so as to gain a profit and then it's like, okay, now I'm going to sell it. Or is this a business that's run its course? It's not going anywhere. You've gotten out of it what you wanted to. Uh, expansion's not an option and therefore selling makes the only sense. I'm, tr- I'm trying to understand this. Sure. Well, uh, here's your answer. The, there's, there's builders and there's managers. I'm a builder. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at a concept and I'll, I'll take it from concept to creation, from cradle to the grave. If, if I can build the company, and let's just say it's a 12-rung ladder, okay? If I can build the company to the sixth rung and then I can, you know, sell it to somebody else who's more of a manager who wants to be in there every single day, you know, and, and hiring and training and doing staff meetings and sitting in a desk all day, that's for a manager. I'm not built that way. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a builder. Okay. So I, I build them and I get them, I get them only so many rungs up the ladder and then I sell them off to somebody who's man- more managerial. Entrepreneurs are not really managers. They're, they're just not. So you're either an entrepreneur or you're a manager and it's hard to be both. Okay. Well, uh, in my case, I would say that I'm both because my prior vocation, I was uh, senior management in social services. So my, primary objective outside of meeting the needs of the clients that we were providing service to was to manage the teams and make sure that the teams were adhering to the mission statement and that they were in compliance with all the policies, procedures, and training and hiring and all that other stuff. So uh, 
you know, but I've also created my own stuff in the realm of being a businesswoman and an entrepreneur. So, um, fortunately, well, for I'm me, not I've saying, got, I'm not saying that you, yeah, I'm not saying you can't do both, I got but it. I'm saying if you're, yeah, if you're going to go after building businesses, which is what I was doing, building is not managing and managing is not building. And so it takes True. two to do that. So you need, you need an operator, but you also need a builder. And so I'm, I'm more of a builder, not so much a day-to-day operator. Okay. And so yeah. what kind of, what kind of businesses specifically tend to be either your favorite or what you have more experience or exposure with? Is it a little bit of a smorgasbord? Maybe break it down a little bit in terms of the variety of businesses you might be referring to, Chad. Yeah, it's a smorgasbord. I've, I've done everything from technology to, um, uh, to programming to uh, home-based, or I'm sorry, uh, home, home service-based businesses like construction companies and things like that of that nature. Anywhere where I see that there's a, a hole in the market that I can fill, bring marketing to it, um, uh, bring the brand, uh, bring the mission statement, bring the people, mm-hmm. get, 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 uh, get the masses to understand that I'm out there in the market come up with pricing that's competitive and, and, and bring in two or three years of income and then uh, get it to somebody else who can take it further than what I can because as soon as the managerial grind starts to come in, I start losing my taste for it. Okay. So what would be the prerequisite in terms of skill set? You've already excluded yourself from saying, I'm not really a manager, I'm a builder. But in terms of additional uh-huh. skills that would factor into what would be required to get a business successfully launched, what other skill sets would you have to embody? Well, for me, it was always a grassroots marketing campaign. Um, Nowadays, especially the last two or three years, it's gotten so competitive on Google that you have to be winning on Google if you want to win, period. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, these cell phones that we carry, they are, you know, they are our lifeline anymore. Uh, I lost my phone the other day. I about panicked. I mean, I, that showed me just how tied to my phone I am. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't like to admit that, of course, but uh, that's the truth. Uh, so back when I was building my businesses, it was more grassroots campaigning, work in the neighborhoods, work in the, work in the area, getting getting the word out, mm-hmm. and then using whatever kind of guerrilla marketing tactics that I could uh, by way of networking and things of that nature. And, of course, that's changed since then. You know, now it's definitely an online game. So uh, I would say the, the, the most important thing is determination and tenacity. You've got to have that if you want to build a company. There's so many companies that fail all, you know, that are already in business. But startups, you know, the, the percentage of failure is very, very high. And I think how you close that gap is just an overwhelming sense of, uh, you know, you have to do this thing. You know, you, you have to give it the attention it needs, and you have to have the gusto and the fortitude to do that on the front end. you got to be almost obsessed with it beyond passion um, mm-hmm. in, order to get it, in order to get it built. I would say that's the first and foremost thing. And also being aligned with it. Mm-hmm. If you're doing something you're not really passionate about, and passion is such an overused word in the business culture, but I mean, I, I mean it in a different sense here. If, you, if you're really not hungry in your heart for it, for whatever reason, and it doesn't have to be everybody mm-hmm. else's reason, but it just could be your reason, you're probably not aligned, and so it's like square peg, round hole kind of thing. So I would say be aligned and then be prepared to work your ass off and not give up until you accomplish your goal. That's what I would say. Fantastic. Well, let's talk about what business has looked like for you in the midst of a global pandemic that now we're approaching 16 months. So has business been 
greater for you? Has it been more diversified for you? Um, has it been more solution focused? Has it been problem saturated? Volume gone up, new business has been launched, things kind of at a grinding halt. Where, where are you as a result of the pandemic? COVID has helped me tremendously, not just from, um, you know, monetarily and not from <clears throat> just the influx of business that I have. Cause I, I do, I, I have way more business now than I ever have, mm-hmm. but it helped me just in, in the way of my lifestyle. I mean, before COVID I was doing a lot of face-to-face meetings and uh, most of the time those are fruitless efforts. You know, people are like, Oh, let's meet. And, and you know, most of the time, if we're being honest, people just want to like, stare at you and talk and talk about things. They want to do everything, but get business done. You know? <laughs> and so I, I, I was getting so tired of that. And so hallelujah for COVID because now I had an excuse to say, I can't meet you, but I can do zoom. Right. And the whole, the whole world, the whole world had to figure it out. And uh, so it helped me out tremendously. So I haven't gone to a face to face meeting in almost 15 months and uh, I say praise COVID. It's, it's been a wonderful help. And then, um, you know, as far as the, the, the business, yeah, people that were doing very, very well in business and got scared because COVID was on the way, they, they wanted to call me immediately and say, hey, I want to sell my business. Mm-hmm. So the smart ones that, that saw it coming tried to get out quick. Now the businesses that are wanting to sell, they're all, they've all struggled a little bit due to the pandemic. And so the value just isn't there like it once was. Uh, so I would, I would say that uh, COVID has been a tremendous help, but not everybody follows the market. And those that have held on, especially restaurants, they've just gotten killed. Yeah. Uh, they're calling me, they're, they're calling me and they're trying to have me help them. But it's like, Hey, you know, you you tanked last year and everybody says, well, that was because of the pandemic. But here's the thing. You can't really sell a business, you know, for top dollar if you've, if you've been hurt. It doesn't matter what the circumstance is. And I was telling people uh, on podcast a year and a half ago about this or, you know, 15 months ago about mm-hmm. this. I said, hey, COVID's on the way. You know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt your business. You know, you're not going to get the value for it the following year or maybe not even the next year. And that's just the cold, hard truth. Um, banks, banks are lending on these, but they're not getting the value that they once did. So that's how it's affected me in a nutshell. Okay. Well, from an entrepreneurial standpoint, um, Chad, you know, some entrepreneurs would say, okay, well, my idea or my vision for being an entrepreneur or my purpose or my objective is, you know, I want to start something and then I want to see how it takes on a life of its own. And then perhaps as a, a form of watching that birthing process evolve into yet perhaps another level of unforeseen, unforecasted success, you know, whether people start with a book and then they take it to speaking engagements and then they take it to getting a podcast or whatever the case may be. And, and, you know, there's different businesses within the business world, but just using that as an example, some people want to see the ascension. People want to see how things can evolve. What can happen within two years, five years, 10 years. Do you, do you ever objectively, um, have the conversation within yourself where you think, okay, you know, I understand this is, this is what I'm doing. This is my main objective for closing businesses, selling businesses. And, and this is what I do specifically, but is there a part of your entre- entrepreneurial spirit where it feels like perhaps you're shortchanging yourself or you're not taking things on the 
evolution journey of where things could go based on a good product or a, a good service that doesn't really need to end, doesn't really need to be sold, maybe can be expanded upon, maybe can branch off in a different direction. Do you ever feel like you've missed the boat somehow? And I don't say that offensively and I don't say that judgmentally, but there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are, are listening to this program who are trying to understand the, your mindset in your particular way of being an entrepreneur? Well, that's a great question. And um, I hope to give you a great answer. I, I am working on a project right now where within, within a year and a half, two years, I will be ahead of the entire business brokering M&A pack. I will, I will be the brand of such. And I'm working on that. So I'm, I'm not letting that slip by. Also, I'm working on a new uh, business for sale marketplace online that will rival the biggest out there. So I'm not quitting within my industry. Um, in addition to that, um, I, I think I think things so far, for me at least anyway, have, have turned out exactly how I thought they would. And and it goes to, to my it goes to my point earlier. I'm a, I'm a builder, not a manager. Mm-hmm. And so I'm gonna keep building, right? And the more management that my business requires out of me, the less passionate I'll be about it. So I have to always be making sure that my mindset is in the building space and the creation space. Otherwise, I get really bored. Um, having said that, along the way, businesses come you know, across my desk all the time. And I'm not opposed to buying them. I'm getting ready to buy one, actually, uh, here in just a, a couple of weeks. Uh, so I, things that come across my desk that are just really attractive businesses, I'm, I'm all ears to them and I will buy them. And as long as I have an operator in place, I'll buy them. But in addition to that, I'm continuing to build my brand further and I'm, I'm, I'm not going to speak too much about it, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be revolutionizing the, the way this is done, at least within the industry. Uh, and I would say a year and a half from now, maybe two, I'll be at the, the front of this entire industry as the as the front man so that's what i'm working on so no passions don't die uh within me and i i don't let the grass grow under my feet for sure fantastic okay well kind of as an extension of what i just asked you but kind of going off in a little bit of a different direction so i oftentimes chad like to play devil's advocate because i think it bursts a different kind of conversation that people might not necessarily be expecting and I do that again for the benefit of the listening audience because this show is, is primarily for them more so than even my guest. So when, when entrepreneurs specifically, you know, it, it's, it's a lot of what they get fired up by. And when you talk about at the top of the hour about, you know, you've got to be obsessed, you've got to be all in, you've got to be full throttle. Well, generally speaking, entrepreneurs have those feelings associated with their baby. That's my baby. That's my project. That's my undertaking. That's the, the fruits of my labor. And you get so fixated, so consumed and so obsessed by it and the growth of it and the evolution of it, you, you know, it, it's like no different. I've heard many entrepreneurs say, that's my child. That's my third child. That's my fourth child, depending on how many businesses they have. And it's the last thing they want to relinquish. It's the last thing that they want to give over the reins to somebody else who wasn't there at the inception and the birth of, of the vision or the project or the business or the, the whatever. So to the entrepreneurs who are perhaps listening, who are saying, well, you know, how fixated, obsessed can you be if you're so quick to give your baby up for adoption every time you have a baby? 
Right. Well, that's that's a good question. Uh, the, the thing is, you have to when, whenever you build a business, and it is your baby, and you care about it. I mean, I, I still care about the businesses that I built and sold. In fact, I I touch base with those current owners now, every now and then, to see how they're going because I love seeing the businesses still doing well. I still love them. I love mm-hmm. those businesses, and I love the people that bought them. You know, that's a that's a big deal. You know, I tell people. Very few people have put a million dollars in your pocket. You know, very few of your friends in your life have done that. So anybody who buys your business, I mean, that's that's a pretty damn good friend. They've given you a million dollars or whatever it is you sold your business for. You're gonna you're gonna like and and love that person for the rest of your life and be there for them at any time. Uh, as far as selling, you know, as far as selling the business, and it is your baby. You have to you have to if you love your baby. If we're gonna use this this analogy, you have to know what your baby needs. And if you're going to be in the way of its natural progression of growth, you have to get out of its way. You have to sell it, get it to somebody else who can do something better with it. And I have always had that mentality. So even though I loved my businesses and I built them and I put so much blood, sweat, and tears in them, every time that I went to go get my taxes done, I went to a broker to figure out what it was worth. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, you know, everybody does their taxes every year. We all have to. Death and taxes, right? That's the thing. But... <laughs> But you have to also, I'd, I'd like to add a third, mm-hmm. death, taxes, and, you know, figure out what your business is worth every single year. Do it. Make it a rule. Make it a law. Because what happens is as the passion burns out, mm-hmm. so, does the pro- so does the profit. So where there's no passion, there's no profit. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're doing well is the time to sell. Mm-hmm. So, so if if I care about that proverbial baby, yeah. well, then, then I've got to let it go because my passion is waning and I bet somebody else out there would love to take this over and see what they can do with it. It'd be like this. Can you imagine if we only had one president in the United States? Every four years, somebody comes into office and has new vigor, new, new um, you know, aspirations, new energy, whatever you want to call it, and and they come in and they try to redo it all and take us to greater heights. That's that's how small business should be treated too. Um, you know, everybody's replaceable. I'm replaceable. Mm-hmm. So if if I'm not treating my baby properly, then another parent needs to come in and and take care of that baby. That's how I look at it. Okay, well that's a good analogy using the president, right? Because yeah, we we do need new vision. We do need new gusto. We do absolutely. So I guess, what I, okay, so listening to you answer that question, what that broke down for me, and again, this goes back to my previous vocation of social services. So I would look at you in terms of metaphorically in this discussion, I would say, okay, so you're, you're a temporary foster parent. So there, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a situation where, you know, AKA the child, but it's the project, it's the vision for the business that needs to get off, off the ground based on your expertise, your skill set. So the understanding is you have the capabilities, you can be entrusted, you've passed all the credible, uh, reputable, uh, you know, checks and balances to know that, you know, this child, even though it's intended for a short period of time, they're going to be well looked after. They're going to be well provided. There's not going to be any situation or issues where that child's safety is going to be endangered. You're going to do your bit knowing it's a short-term situation. And then you're going to offload the child to something that perhaps becomes a more permanent arrangement. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Okay. All right. I think we've kind of encapsulated for the benefit of the listening audience, metaphorically speaking, what it is you actually do in a nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I do. And then I help other people do it too. And a lot of times to your point earlier that you mentioned, you know, that people get so grabbed by their business and they get so close to it. A lot of times is that my struggle is to tell them to let go of it mm-hmm. because they can't see the next step of their life. And that, and that sends me into more of the, financial planning model of my business. I mean, people put money into the stock market hoping to make 10 or 11 or 12 percent or and sometimes more, you know, on, on bigger gambles. But once you sell a business and you've built it and you, you walk away with a big lump of money and you have dry powder or liquidity to go into a new transaction, you can go buy somebody else's baby mm-hmm. that's, 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 that's doing way better you know, I've taken people from making $250,000 a year. This is no kidding. People are making two hundred fifty grand at their business a year. Mm-hmm. They sell their business, and I'm able to get them into a business that's paying them $2 million a year. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just there's no comparison. There's nowhere in the market you can make that kind of money from such little money. You can try it in real estate. You can try it in the stock market. Nothing compares to buying businesses that are putting out that cash flow. And, but you can't do it without money down. Mm-hmm. So in my industry, cash is king. So if, you, if I sell your business, you, say you're making, you're making $250,000 a year. If I sell mm-hmm. your business for $750,000, in theory, you could buy a business that's making, is doing about, uh, well, the price tag on that business would be about $7 million. Mm-hmm. Now that, that company would be paying you $2 million a year. So you're running, a, you're running a regular business, you know, you're doing pretty well, making 200000 250000 You're worried about letting your baby go. I sell it. I put you in a position making $2 million a year. It's a no-brainer, okay. you know? Okay. Yeah. we got to be careful with the lingo here because now the analogy has gone to sound like we're selling babies on the black market. Okay. <laughs> we got to be careful here. <laughs> well, I know what well, you're saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you have to be able to let go. You have to be able to let go of your business. Right. You have to be able to realize that you are progressing because you wouldn't have wanted to sell that business unless you were progressing within your soul. Something, something has changed within you. There's a new reason. There's a new season. It's a new time. Mm-hmm. And you got to move on. You got to look, like, got to look beyond that. So you got to let go of that. And of course you'll always have heart for that, for that business, but you know, you got to keep on moving. And that's how people become truly wealthy. Whenever they're self-employed they sell a business, they buy a bigger one. And either hold that one or sell that one and buy a bigger one. I've seen it several, several times. Okay. So I'm going to ask you another kind of devil's advocate type of question. So, you know, again, this show is for entrepreneurs, business people. Um, I've had Brian Tracy on the show. I've had Jack Canfield on the show. I've had members of the Shark Tank on the show. And, you know, for anybody who is an entrepreneur, reads the literature, um, you know, absorbs the jargon, has the blood running through their veins, these types of entrepreneurs who I've interviewed, they oftentimes will say, putting the issue of money aside, if you knew you couldn't get paid for what it is that you're still, however, jazz that gets you out of bed in the morning where you would actually do what you're doing for free, let's break it down and let's be perfectly honest, Chad. Um, mm-hmm. Would you still feel as enticed, jazzed, all in if the money that you just talked about and how you can turn a profit and knowing when to offload and knowing when to get your hands into something else, if the money 
wasn't what it was. And I know people can get highly addicted to that, particularly if they have the skill set to, you know, turn that over day after day, week after week, year after year. But if the money wasn't what you just reportedly indicated that it was in your particular line of business, would you really be interested in what you're doing? Well, yeah, me personally, for sure. Uh, everybody has, I would say everybody, I, I think I'm right. Uh, most people, if not everybody, mm-hmm. has, has gotten real enchanted with this idea of what we call uh, retirement. Mm-hmm. It's man-made. It's man-made. It's, uh, it's driven by companies that want to manage your money, which that's fine. You know, they, they sell the dream of retirement, you know, wearing linen and drinking iced tea and laughing next to your spouse. It's a great idea. But if, if retirement is a real thing, we would be the only animal in the entire kingdom that retires. And I don't think it's natural. Mm-hmm. So I've asked myself what, what my, you know, what the end of my life's going to look like. And I, I absolutely will not need the money, but I will be doing this for the rest of my life. I'll mm-hmm. do it until, you know, until I'm dead. So yeah, I love doing what I'm doing. I love working with uh, the self-employed. The self-employed are my people. Mm-hmm. I don't have much, I don't have much in common with a cubicle dweller or a fast food operator or a librarian or a, a bank teller. Those aren't my people. My mm-hmm. people are entrepreneurs. My people are risk takers, entrepreneurs, go-getters, hustlers, doers, motivators. Th- those are my people. And so it goes well beyond the money for me. I love what I do. I'll be doing it forever. Uh, mm-hmm. regardless of the money. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll never retire. My retirement plan is to never quit working. Mm-hmm. I get that. So, and uh, I, I'm, I'm yeah. with you 100% on that. I absolutely subscribe wholeheartedly to what you just said there about the retirement piece. Um, yeah. but, but what is it that fulfills you outside of the money? Like, what is it? Because you're a very different, unique breed of entrepreneur. So I, I'm trying to really wrap my head around what the the point of uh, the center point of fulfillment is for you, because like when we talk about uh, the entrepreneurs who are mentors or coaches, and I'm not saying that there isn't a component of that attached in what it is that you're doing. Um, I'm just saying that, you know, people like to see the evolution of the before and after contrast of you know, helping somebody in their journey, whether it's to eradicate something out of their life, whether it's to embrace empowerment, whether it's to uh, accentuate their own skills so as to become even more successful as an entrepreneur, uh, getting out of an abusive relationship, writing that book, whatever the case may be. Um, but usually the, the entrepreneurs that I'm acquainted with, they're the ones who like to really see the evolutionary process take off. And, but they're so immersed in what it is that they do year after year, decade after decade. And that's not to suggest that they've gotten stale, complacent, or that they haven't um, infused new things, products, services into what they're doing. Uh, but there's generally a long line of lineage that's attached chronologically to what it is they're doing from beginning to end date. So I, I'm trying to find out from you, based on your style of entrepreneurship, outside of the money, um, out, outside of the building aspect, that's a real draw for you. But what is it that really keeps you in the fold of this? Yeah, I'm going to do this beyond retirement because it's not really about the money. And I don't believe in the man-made concept of, of retirement. I just really love what I do. But what is the ultimate 
purpose uh, or fulfillment aspect for you? I, I'm really still trying to get that. Yeah, yeah. For me, um, it's there. There's a few things. Uh, for me, it's that I've been there and I've been self-employed, and I've wanted to sell my business and move on. And so I understand the situation that my clients are in. So there's there's a lot of commonality there, and I want to help them. I want to help mm-hmm. them move on, and I and I know how to do it. In concert with that answer I just gave you is also a very big uh, value value statement, I guess, which is that I've been in this industry for a long time, and I know my competition, and I know that my customers need my service. I know that if they go to another another broker, they go somewhere else, like a, a big shop, you know, that just hires and fires, and you know, they're they're like a they're want to be Wall Street guys. They're not going to be mm-hmm. treated properly. So I take very mm-hmm. good care of my customers. Um, I don't bring on every customer, by the way. I bring on customers that are a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in, in the very beginning, whenever you introduced me, you said, you know, they're not for everyone. Well, that's what that means. I'm only interested in motivated business owners who know how to work with me. And I can, I can tell pretty quickly if I talk to them on the phone if they can work with me or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I screen clients as much as they think they're, sc- they're screening me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I picked the right kind of clientele. So the answer is I get to choose the clients that I want to work with. I get to help those that I want to work with. I'm passionate about helping them because I've been in their shoes Mm -hmm. and I believe that I can do it better than the competition. And that's what drives me. Okay. All right. Well, that's a little bit more enlightening. I appreciate that. And I, I, I don't know why, what, what you said just tweaked for me too. It's almost like, Another analogy that came to mind, it's like Lego building. Like there's maybe more than two variations, but two that come to mind in terms of types or styles of Lego builders. It's the type of, if we use kids, for example, they too are builders. They want to build Lego, but they don't want to demolish it. They want to show on display all the pieces that they've built. And then it becomes its own community. It becomes its own story. It becomes its own picture you know um you can see on display what it is that's been built and it's not been disbanded it's not been dismantled it's it's not been demolished and turned into something else perhaps and then there is that type of uh, lego builder where it's like i've built something but i'm going to disassemble it just as quickly as i built it because i want to use the same parts but build something in a different way so if you're yeah. a lego builder yeah. what kind of lego builder are you Right. Yeah, I understand that. Absolutely. I, I get what you're saying. Um, I mean, basically, you're, you're saying that I've, I've built all these businesses myself, and now I'm, just, now I'm still building, but it's in a different space. That's what, that's what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's a good analogy. Okay. But if, if, but you know, and I'm not saying that there isn't like variations that you could pull or draw from both examples of what I cited as a Lego builder. But if you were that child who was the Lego builder who wanted to put on display and create your own little, you know, community of this house, this house, this building, this bridge, this whatever, or the Lego builder child who likes to use the Lego, build something. It's enough to see that they were able to build it from start to finish. They don't need to have any remnants of it lingering around. They don't need to show it to anybody else. It was just enough of a a fulfillment type project to prove to themselves that they could in fact build it. But now that's a great question. Yeah. (laughs) That's a great question. Yeah. Yeah, No, I'd, I'd build it and it'd be gorgeous and I'd be telling everybody about it and I'd be like, Hey, look at this thing. And I'd keep building it and making it look better. That's how I would, that's how I would do it. 
Okay. All right. Yeah. Fantastic. So what, what, how many businesses are you simultaneously um, juggling and what does your team look like? Because you're only one person. So let's be honest here. Like what, what does this look like on a daily basis for you in terms of any SAP project and you needing the man woman power behind you to ensure that you're meeting deadlines, timelines, and other people who perhaps bring different skills to complement your own to the table. Like what does the infrastructure look like? I believe that I have the best team on the planet when it comes to Peterson acquisitions and, and we keep it tight, we keep it small. Mm-hmm. The reason is because uh it's a certain skill set that you need to have and you need to have a you need to have a lot of banking background. Yeah. You have to have you have to be a good negotiator. You have to be good with people. You have to be able to read the field real well. Mm-hmm. You have to have unreal work ethic. My, the people that work for me work from six o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock at night. And on Sunday, they might, they might move those hours a little bit, but that's how hard my people work. And so what we found is that anytime that we bring somebody in to do that, they can't handle it. Mm-hmm. They flat out can't handle it. So, so, you know, if if I if I were to run a company, I wouldn't you know. And let's just use a military uh, analogy here. I wouldn't sure. want the army. I'd want I'd want SEAL, SEAL Team Six. Yeah. I don't want an army. I don't want an army that there's not enough aspirin on the shelves for all the headaches that that can bring. I don't <laughs> want it. I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. Uh-huh. So I I'd, I'd like to have a small unit that we can trust each other and we all keep up the pace with one another. And that's what I have. Um, people that try to work for me, uh, they just they get drowned. I mean, almost you can see it on their face the first two or three days. They're just like, man, I don't think I can do this. And my answer is, I don't think you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're that intense about what we do. So I've got, uh, I've got two people that, that work like that for me. And then we've got some assistance and that's, that's, that's how we keep it. But we're able to, we're able to do more deals than anybody out there in the country. We do it. We sell more business than, than any brokers uh, out there as far as even, even broker shops that have, 15, 20 people in them, you know, there, there's three of us with some assistants that are, that are doing three times what they are. And that's just our work ethic and our drive and our tenacity that, that we go to the market with. And, uh, uh so yeah, that's, that's, that's how I run that. But you asked me about, about my other companies too. We're, we're, we're getting ready to buy a company down in Florida. Mm-hmm. That'll be easily manageable. And we're going to be hiring a fractional CFO to be running that because our standards are so high that if we were to manage somebody, we're, we're going to put them under too much stress and we'll, you know, we'll probably, they'll probably perish under our, our, our force as well. We're a very intense group at Peterson acquisitions, no doubt about it. And so when I, when this opportunity got brought up to me, I asked my right hand man, I said, do you want to do this? He said, yes, I do. Let's do it. We locked hands and we did it. So we're, we're closing on a, a multimillion dollar deal down in Florida we're going to hire a fractional CFO to be in charge of that. And we're going to, we're going to manage him like a fractional CFO can. But if we were to hire, hire somebody off the street, you know, just to be a manager of it, it probably wouldn't work very well, but that's that business model. Okay. Mm-hmm. My other business that I own, it requires more attention from, from people that are more managerial. And again, I'm not managerial. So I've got people in place for that as well. So it just depends on the business you're in and what it needs is how it needs to be approached. Okay, so just again for further clarification, Chad, when you talk about the fact that you are a builder, but you also are very clear on the fact that you take other people, um, like a good portion of your clientele base is taking the business that they want to dismantle or they want to part ways with. And so 
what are you building? Are you taking, are you taking what was once upon a time by a previous owner, CEO, founder, and then you're infusing your own style, your own flair, or are you building, or, or is it two different business models under the same umbrella of what it is that you do? I'm, I'm just trying to make the differentiation. No, I, no, I sell, no, I sell businesses. That's what I do. I sell businesses and I help people buy them. And, uh, you know, the, I sell businesses of all stripes, you know, I mean, sell businesses as, as low as $400,000, as high as, you know, $60 million. Uh, in fact, sometimes more. Um, mm-hmm. So it, 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 size doesn't matter when it comes to that. Um, and as far as you ask me, is it a, is it a CEO or something like that? Well, it's a business owner for sure. Mm-hmm. Or if it's a, if it's a group of people that are selling their business for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I sell, but yeah, am I adding my own style to it? For, for sure. I'm adding my own style to the business broker world again, because you know, you, you can't really trust too many people to sell your business. They basically hope that the buyer comes in, buys the business and they don't have to do a lot. And so oh. my work ethic and our tenacity is what changes the, the landscape in, in, within this industry. Okay. So just again, for further clarification, when you're in receipt of taking over other people's businesses that they're wanting to sell, what part of building are you building? Or is it a rebrand? Is it taking it to market? Is it adding some additional bells and whistles? Is it built? Is it building up the infrastructure? Oh yeah, of- usually yeah, yeah. Uh, it's mostly remarketing. Um, most of the time, people have a message problem, a management problem, and a marketing problem. The okay. three M's: mm-hmm. message, management, and marketing. So if I can walk into a company, and in this case, it's it's throwing off about eight hundred thousand dollars a year in income to me. Mm-hmm. As, as you know, to net net earnings. If I can walk in there, and this is what I was talking to you earlier about buying a business, building it up, and selling it. Well, if I can go in there and I can double that that net earnings, if I can get it to one point mm-hmm. six, I can sell that business for almost five million dollars. Mm-hmm. I can do that in a couple of years. Okay, so inter- okay. So with regards to what you said, I know you said three three M's, but I mean, if we take the generic, you know, the candy melts in your mouth, not in your hands, this is kind of what you do, right? <laughs> that's, that's what I do the, the, the three M's. Yes. Me- message marketing and uh, management. And if, if you can solve those issues, you'll solve most people's problems because remember somebody's losing passion. This guy is losing passion and he's not doing what he needs to do. So he's mm-hmm. going to sell that business. In this case, I'm going to buy it. I'm going to get a fractional CFO in there. I'm going to change the whole marketing of it all, change the messaging of it all, and refine the systems and take it to market in a bigger, better way. And I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to buy it for very little money down. Mm-hmm. I'm going to build that business up, and I'm going to sell it in two or three years for probably double what the price was that I paid for it. But remember, I never put all that money down to buy it. Mm-hmm. I'm only going to put 10% down to buy it. Mm-hmm. So if you look at the math, it's tremendous, tremendous earnings. Okay. So with respect to the three M's and, and the last one being indicative of marketing, but you said, or managing, I'm a builder. Mm-hmm. I'm not a manager. Who's overseeing right. the third M, which is the management end of it? The, the fractional CFO, the fractional okay. CFO that we're going to, con- that we're going to contract to, to, okay. to work for us. Yep. Okay. Fantastic. Well, being cognizant of time, I want to give you the opportunity, Chad, where can people reach out to you? And just to add a little layer of clarification, 
Um, if you want to just rhyme off a list of different businesses again, so people know whether they meet your criteria to perhaps seek you out for an initial consult, could you break that down? In addition to adding your uh, supplying your contact information for the listeners. Sure. If you're doing over one million dollars a year in revenue, you can contact me. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of our lower lower market, but. We we really our sweet spot is if you're if you're doing five million dollars or more. But uh, we we do work with companies that are over a million dollars, just over a million dollars a year. If you want to find me, you go to www.petersonacquisitions.com. Uh, you can just Google Chad Peterson podcast. You'll find me all over the web there as well. Uh, if your listeners go to petersonacquisitions.com and they click to get a free book, um, let them know that that they heard me on your show, I'll send them a a free download of the book. Well, that's very kind of you. I appreciate that as well. I'm sure the listening audience and the podcast subscribers will as well. So thank you. Um, Just quick question, uh, different aspect of business, but I mean, we're all looking at different business moguls, looking at different models, different structures, et cetera. So when you see what Jeff Bezos is doing over at Amazon, do you think he's got it right? Oh yeah. I mean, how couldn't he? Of course. I mean, he's falling in love again, and I think that cost him, what did it cost him, $30 billion to fall in love last time? I don't know what he's doing with that, but as far as his business, yeah, it's going great. Okay. Well, I, I just asked that because, I mean, there's different aspects of how we can evaluate someone else's success. And, and for me, it's always based on the feedback from the people who are working. And I know, uh, you know, not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but taking into account that when you build things up to get that big, which I mean, I always commend people on their genius and their brilliance to take something, a concept and amass it into what he has in his particular case. But when you've got people who are saying, you know, we're working X amount of hours and we only get two uh, half an hour breaks between like these astronomical hours. I mean, you know, and they don't really get this and they don't really get that. And you get people balking and stuff like that. And you know what his net worth is. Mm-hmm. And you know, he wants to fly off to the, you know, to the moon and all this kind of stuff. You kind of have to put into perspective, you know, uh, you, you, when you get big, and for some people, that's their main objective. They want to get more profitable. They want to get more recognizable. They want their brand to stand out amongst any other brand in the world and be seen as a number one competitor. I get all that. Um, but you can't lose your humility or, or your humanity or your soft skills, people skills within the realm of doing so. So, I, well, when, I, so I, I agree with you. I agree with you with your philosophy, but it's the functionality that I have a disagreement with you on because what what were what's he going to do he's going to give his money away because people are crying about it i mean you, you people have to work and if that's a low entry job for them and they have their own aspirations the 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 jeff bezos stories might be one in a lifetime but mm-hmm. they can go create their own stories they can go create their own life they don't have to be tied to that job and that that is a victim mentality to be to think that you know, you're being, you're being victimized. You know, you have to do that. They, all they have to do is quit and go pursue their own dreams. And that's what Jeff Bezos did. And that's why he's doing as well as he is. So he doesn't owe anybody anything more than a job. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's ways to be promoted within his company. But if they don't have that kind of mentality, that's on them. That's not on him. He, he's, he's not supposed to be uh, funding people because they're whiners. He also does a lot of charity. He also gives a lot of money away to good causes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to working, I don't know if there's too many people out there anymore that really want to work anywhere in this market. Mm-hmm. I don't really see it. So people have been complaining about work since the, the dawn of time. You know, That's I mean, true. Rome fell because of it. 
Rome fell because of it, and I think the United States is going to fall for it or fall from it. Mm-hmm. You know, in other countries, China and, and, and other countries out there where nobody complains about what they do, they just do it. Mm-hmm. They are beating the snot out of us and their, their economies and their roads and their governments. I mean, everything is just rocking and rolling. We're in shambles over here in the United States. So mm-hmm. I think people need to realize that we're in the land of dreams and you got to go make them happen. You cannot bitch about what somebody isn't doing for you mm-hmm. and think that's going to change your circumstance. You have to go do it yourself. And if you don't like that particular job that it, that it calls for, hang up your hat, quit and move on. Well, I definitely see the validity and the merit within you. And again, I'm not polarized in my thinking. I'm usually somewhere down the middle in the gray because I have a, a I have the ability to see things from a myriad of perspectives. So what you said and and how we're closing off the show today, I want to thank you very much for that. And Chad, I want to thank you very much for the gift of your time. This has been a very enlightening conversation. And I learned a lot about what it is you do that I'll be honest, really wasn't in my wheelhouse of, of, knowledge or comprehension so for the ways in which that you enlightened me and i'm sure the listening audience and the podcast subscribers as well i want to say thank you very much and wish you all my very best with continued success and and your upcoming ventures that you were somewhat a little bit tight-lipped about but congratulations all the best and to the listening audience i want to thank you as well for the gift of your time and for tuning in to myself and my guest of today chad peterson I'm very exceptionally clear on my purpose. My purpose is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. Until next Friday when we're joined by yet another phenomenal guest, I want to wish you all my very best. Love and gratitude. Take care, everybody. Stay safe. Thanks again, Chad. All my best. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Halton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own shero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.